Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about defying the darkness. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Dylan Sessler. Dylan is a mental health coach, social media influencer, podcast host, combat veteran, and the author of Defy the Darkness, a story of suicide, mental health, and overcoming your hardest battles. You can reach Dylan at his website, dylansisler.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Dylan. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. I'm glad to be here. I am grateful to be able to have this conversation and to be able to talk about difficult things. You are not afraid to tackle hard subjects because you have had a lot of hard experiences in your life and you understand. Would you be willing to kind of share your story about why you do what you do? You know, what's, what's funny about this conversation in particular is that this is, this is my fourth podcast today. Um, and what's, what's kind of ironic about this is, you know, when I talk about my story, it ultimately the, the reality that I found to understand my story is that I was silent throughout my life, you know, and, and what's so ironic about this conversation is that this is the exact opposite of who I've always had to be. Right. And so when we talk about my story, I, I want people to keep that in mind and, and you can keep that in mind as well. Linda. um, I, I lost my dad to suicide at six years old and what that ultimately showed me, um, in the moment was I needed to feel guilt. I needed to feel regret. Um, it wasn't logical. It, it didn't make sense at the time, but I was six years old. Uh, and I, I felt so much like I was responsible for that, that man's death at the time that I couldn't face, I couldn't possibly think about facing the judgment of saying that I felt like I knew he wasn't coming home. And so I, I remained silent, right? And I, I held that in for so long, for nearly 21 years, I think. Um, I never told anybody, I never shared that with anybody. Um, and then throughout my life, there were just more moments, you know, the, the domestic abuse that, that I, that I faced from the next man in my life that compounded the pain, um, that I, I ultimately felt compounded the shame, the guilt, the regret that I ultimately felt for what happened with my dad. And it, it continued to push me to that, to that ultimate extreme of remaining silent. You know, the, I joined the army and that was again, another step in the direction of suffering silence. Um, and there were so many pieces of my story that continued to remind me that remaining silent was the best way for you to survive. And now I'm here in this, you know, completely ironic situation telling everything, right? And you, you kind of started this off with a really interesting re remark with saying I wasn't afraid. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I could say that's right because I've been afraid of this. I've been afraid of speaking and sharing and expressing. And, and there's times where I share this story and I can do it emotionless and, and it's fine and it's, it, and it's interesting and it's still captivating, but there's times where I feel it completely and I share this stuff and I, I feel that emotion and I still feel that every once in a while it becomes scary. You know, it becomes something I'm afraid of, of like, 
am I, am I sharing too much? Am I going too far? But that's the, the beautiful thing about what I'm doing is I'm stepping into the very weakness that has always crippled me and, and crippled my development of self and identity and love and appreciation of who I am. And so, you know, to, I guess, make this long story quite short, I continue to look at my story and adapt how I feel about it. And I continue to change how I feel about it. And I continue to share it to understand how to feel about it. And I do that by expressing myself, which is the very ironic and opposite end of the spectrum of which I grew up with. Thank you for sharing. And how normal and natural it is when we have awful situations to stay silent. That staying silent is part of the survival mechanism. Well, our job is to survive, to stay alive, to keep going. And we do what we feel like we need to do to preserve ourselves. And, and I think we need to have compassion for ourselves, for whatever method we happen to use to survive, because that is what we were acting on with our very best uh, understanding at the time. But I also think it's very important that at some point we uh, open our minds and, and maybe recognize that there are other, maybe healthier ways to deal with the situations that we're struggling with. So what made you to go from one end of the spectrum, one extreme to the other? I mean, what made you decide to speak up? Well, ultimately it was because of where that silence brought me. You know, it, it, it put me into the darkest place I've ever been in my life. And that was with a gun in my hand and a bullet in the chamber. Um, and ultimately my finger on the trigger. That was my darkest moment. That was in 2015. Um, I found myself after a, a, a pretty rough deployment to Afghanistan and three ACL reconstructions to, to kind of deal with all of the trauma and the grief and the loss that I had kind of encumbered myself with. Um, I found myself sitting on my hallway floor contemplating whether or not I was worth anything or my, if my life was worth anything at all. Um, and so when I felt, when I felt the gun against my, my neck, cause I put it right behind my ear, I remember this still, um, that, that cold ring of, of the end of the barrel kind of reminded me to think a little bit, um, right before anything got crazy. And I remember thinking, why are you the way that you are? Why are you here? Like these, this very specific kind of question emerged from this moment. Um, to the, to the extent where I had to put the gun down and really think about this. And as I put it down, all of these emotions kind of flooded my, you know, my, my mind because it was one of the first moments where I really understood the answers and they scared me to death, right? Because I was, I was recognizing for the first time that it was really me that kind of brought myself here. It was really my own choices that, you know, at some point 
you can blame people for their choices and their impact on you. But at some point, those choices become your own. And I think I lost track of that transition somewhere along the way. And I started continuing behavior that was illogical, even though it felt quite rational when it was supposed to be, uh, you know, when it was happening, right? It was, it was rational for me to feel what I felt when I was six years old, but it wasn't logical to maintain it. Um, and I, and I did maintain it. I, re- I maintained that, that illogical sensation of feeling guilt anytime I hurt somebody, um, whether it was righteous or not, you know, and, and so it, it didn't allow me to have boundaries. It just allowed me to, to self-destruct. It allowed me to take on, uh, guilt and regret and shame where it wasn't mine to take on. Um, and ultimately those answers that were flooding in at the time forced me to really look at how I lived my life and how I, you know, talk to myself, how I felt about myself, how I understood myself and how I understood my identity. Um, and I spent three days trying to really figure out who I was and why I was the way that I was. Um, and what I came up with was a very simple answer of you've never even, you've never even told anybody who you are. So how can you understand yourself from your own perspective? You know, so, I found myself in this box and my thinking was so limited within that box that I never realized that when I started having conversations with other people that they could teach me about myself, even if, even if it was something I was afraid of being true, you know, and, and that's what I started doing. So I, you know, within that moment, um, it, after those three days of, of, complete introspective thought, I recognized that I had been silent for 20 years of my life about the hardest moments of my life, you know, to include my dad's suicide, domestic violence, um, bullying, war, uh, just so many different things that I recognized that that was in effect my, my problem. It was part of it. At least that was, that was the part of it that really mattered enough to address. That's the one I could point my finger at and say, that's a big, that's a big glaring issue. You need to fix that. And so I did. So I started, you know, I shared what had happened with my two best friends first. I shared it with my sister next. Um, and then the hardest conversation I think I've ever had in my life was telling my mom that I had almost committed suicide. Um, and to try and tell your mom, who had lost a husband to suicide 20 years before that her son, her only son was in that situation without ever expressing any kind of thought about it for 20 years. Um, I can, I can honestly say is, is probably the hardest thing I'll, I'll ever go through in terms of trying to have a conversation with anyone. Um, and to this day, it's still, uh, it's hard to think about. It's hard to to believe that I was able to do it, um, but it was it was so necessary. It was. It, I mean, I don't I don't fear any conversations after doing anything like that. Nothing nothing scares me like it, it does to put such a put out such a what it in the moment had felt such a shameful situation because of how my my dad's situation had panned out, you know? And so I, I, even to that day, it was, 
it felt shameful. It felt wrong. But I had recognized that to overcome this, I needed to push beyond that and, and either allow the shame to exist to understand myself um, or to accept what her thoughts might be. Um, and it actually turned out to be an incredibly connecting moment for me and my mom. Um, and I'm really thankful for just how she's, how she's been able to support me throughout my life. I am so thankful that at that moment of decision that you paused, that you paused and you thought and you set the gun down and continued to think. And it's very interesting as you're working your way through this, that some of the first thoughts are recognizing your own accountability and responsibility for why you were where you were. And instead of that feeling damning, it actually felt freeing and how you were able to begin to separate these are the things that are my responsibility. And there are other things that have taken place in my life that are not my responsibility. And I don't need to carry the weight for those anymore. And I really appreciate that you were able to begin to recognize that one key factor to keeping you where you were was your silence. And that gave you something to act on that would help you rather than hurt you. So well done. Thank you. It, you know, and all, all of, as I, as I speak now, you know, it's, I didn't learn everything that day. You know, this is, this has come from years of, of contemplation. It's come from years of conversations. You know, at this point, I, I can't even count how many podcasts I've been on to talk about this subject, but I feel like I learn something new every time I share my story and also have conversations with people. Um, you know, I'm a mental health coach, so I also have conversations on that end too. So I, I not only, I not only interview guests that have done similar work to me of overcoming them, their own issues, but I also work with people who are actively engaged in this process. So I've, uh, I've really learned so much in the past two years and beyond, um, of, of how, how to really start this process of how to really face it and, and contemplate it. And to do so willingly is, is such a powerful place. I think that's where it kind of came from is I found myself in the worst possible place I could put myself in. And if I wasn't willing, I wasn't living, you know, that's, that was the choice that was ahead of me is if I didn't become willing, I wasn't going to make it. Um, and I really recognized it in that moment. So I essentially forced myself into making a decision that was good for me. But I also recognized that not everybody can make that decision. Not everybody survives that decision. Um, that's just the nature of, unfortunately, life. Um, you know, life isn't fair to everyone and life isn't, you know, I look at my life sometimes and comparatively to what other people have gone through, not everyone's life is as easy as mine comparatively, you know, and that's not to say mine isn't hard, but it's, it is to say that life can be much harder than what mine is. And that's 
certainly not dismissive of what I've been through. It's just a reality that unfortunately we face is that people go through some very savage things, um, some very evil things um, done by evil people. And I'm quite lucky to not have gone through something like that, you know, and I, I respect that about myself. Um, but it's out there, you know, and that's, that's another level of, of contemplation that's required to, to dig through this stuff is that when you also face this reality that there's evil people that have done evil things to you maliciously with intention, um, it becomes even harder, right? And that's one thing that I've had to learn, um, through my work is that that is a different level. You know, and that's, that's a, a place where my story is beneficial, but at the same time, it's lacking because I never had to deal with that, that maliciousness, that intention that exists within the world. Um, and it's a good place for me to understand. I can learn more. I can adapt more. I can, I can, uh, adjust my knowledge and, and also, you know, humble myself of recognizing I don't know everything there is to know. And I don't know what's right or wrong for people. Um, and I think that's quite important when you go through this work is that just because I've gone through this doesn't mean my way is the right way. You know, and I think that's quite important in this whole process. I agree. And it's very good to maintain that humility that we don't know everything. And I also think that the approach is very important that when we see someone who is suffering, who is hurting, that we don't come at it from the angle of, I'm going to fix you, but instead yeah. come at the, from the attitude of, I believe in you. I believe that you can fix this and I will help you and I will support you. And I believe in you and you're worth it. Um, cause I don't, I don't think we can reach out and, uh, I don't think anyone can heal without their consent. No, I think you're absolutely right on that. So that's. Now, as you were sharing and, and a little bit comparing of what you have experienced and that others have gone through things maybe less than or worse than, and to recognize the reality of life, that bad things happen, that war happens, that abuse happens, that evil people exist and do malicious things. How do you help people maintain um, optimism? and a reason to keep going. Show me the opposite. Quite simply, you know, I, I, I try to do what I think is right. I, I try to listen to people. I do what, whatever is the opposite of evil. I try and do that. Right. And so I, I've studied evil. I've studied good. I've studied all sorts of different things. And I try to understand what helps people and what helped me. I helped, you know, through, through my time, you know, doing anything that I've ever done. I, the one thing that helped me the most was people listening to me, you know, being able to offer my knowledge and, um, offer my story or share whatever I need to share. And people sat and allowed me to speak and not only allowed me to speak, but tried to understand actively tried to understand what I, what I was saying. Um, and so what I do for people, you know, whether it's on my podcast, whether it's, you know, in my work, whether it's even on TikTok, where I, you know, obviously do what I can to help people. I want people to feel heard. 
And so that requires me to provide the one value that I think has really solidified who I am, and that's empathy. Right? I define empathy as listening to understand. But it's that action, it's how I apply that action that's so fundamental for me is that I really do listen to understand. I assume that I'm wrong all the time, right? I assume that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And so I listen and I understand who you are before I ever make any assumption, right? There's no point in making assumptions when you can just tell me the whole, the whole of who you are. But even then, I don't know 100% of your life story. I don't know your, your context. So there's always this assumption that even though I'm here to hear you, there's a really important aspect that I try to develop within people that I want to empower you to become the expert on yourself. And I provide that as much as possible, you know, in, in a, you know, this, this glaring difficulty of, of facing this evil that's, that's ever present in the world. It's reminding them that there are people like myself out there that are willing to sit with you and not be evil, right? And to prove, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that there are people that care intentionally, that, that attempt to do this work with, you know, with appreciation, with, with genuine affection, um, with, you know, love and, and, uh, you know, respect. I think all of those things are so fundamentally important that that's what I try and bring to the table. I try to offer people someone that they've probably never heard before, you know, and that's, that's what I think I do. And I just, I do the opposite of what they've ever, they've ever felt, you know, the, the people that they've probably dealt with, I do the opposite. The opposite of evil. And that makes all the difference. It sure, it certainly does. Will you tell me a little bit more about your TikTok? I know that you are this wonderful advocate for mental health. You have over half a million followers. And um, have you found this to be obviously a very effective way to get your message across? Yep. It's effective. Uh, the enjoyment is is dependent on the day. You know, I'm, I, I still kind of find myself enjoying my introversion. Um, I, I like my small circle. Um, and so stepping onto TikTok, it's hit or miss, right? And not to say it's, it's not a great platform. It's not something, you know, that I would denounce necessarily. It has its bad characteristics, but to me, it's, it's not always the place I want to express myself. I love being on podcasts. I love having a one-on-one -on -one conversation where we can guide the conversation wherever we want. With TikTok, you have to be remarkably intentional. Um, and I don't like talking to nobody. It feels very off-putting to me. It feels very weird. Um, and so when I'm sitting there talking to a camera, I have to very much put so much effort into thinking about who I who I'm actually talking to. Um, and I can't, I just can't do that every day. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of in the process of kind of figuring out how to do that differently. How do I approach content creation differently so I can maintain my platform, but also maintain my health, my mental health of, yeah, I just don't, I don't like doing it this way kind of thing. Um, but it still works, right? It, I, I know how to do it. It's, it's that thing of 
when you run a business, when you run podcasts, when you run anything of great value, it requires you to work. And that's what I do. I put work and effort into TikTok and it's obviously paid off, but it's not always something that I, I thoroughly enjoy. Like I do a, like my podcast. I love my podcast because I can sit there and I can learn so much about people. I can just understand people. I can connect with people. And I value that more than I will, I think will ever value what I do on TikTok. So on TikTok, when you're talking to your camera and you're trying to envision someone, who are you envisioning? Who is the audience? Who are you trying to reach out to and help? What makes it worth it to do something that's work that you don't really enjoy, but you're hoping that that one message might reach and and influence someone? I think my best videos come from me talking to myself. I, I, I think I used to do it more. I think I've, I've stepped away from it a little bit lately. Um, but when I used to look at the camera, I would remind myself of how I used to feel. And I would talk to that little boy. I'd talk to that young adult. I'd talk to that, you know, mature adult of like, you know, 2016 trying to figure out where do you go from this point? Right. You know, I, I had just overcome suicide. I didn't do it. What do you do now? You know, I, I I think about me at different points of my life and I try and think, what would I need to hear right now to keep going? And that's, I think they, those have always been my best videos, you know, and, and sometimes I forget that and I have to go back to that and remind myself of that. But those are the ones that usually I feel hit people in the soul. They're impactful. Yeah. Because you are very sincere. You mean it. Oh, yeah. And you're almost going back in time and telling yourself these uh, these tips of how to be to be okay, that it's, it's going to be okay. Now, as your work as a mental health coach, you talk about creating a, a bridge between the realities of life. And, and sometimes people can kind of fall through the cracks in, in the mental health um, healthcare system. So do you want to explain a little bit about how people and why people fall through the cracks and, and what you do to make up the difference? It's, oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, there's a lot of who I see are people that, that either go to therapy, go through you know, a mental health care program of some sort, you know, could be an emergency situation or a, a, an addiction center, an emergency center, you know, whatever, and have a really traumatic experience, a really bad experience, a negative experience. They might go to a therapist that tells them to just get over it, which has happened to me so many times. I can't believe how many people tell me this. Um, you know, one of the ones I heard recently was, um, well, it would help if you just stop thinking about it. And it's like you, as a therapist to hear some, like to hear someone tell me that a therapist would tell them that I, I can't imagine the incompetence of, of saying that statement as a therapist. Like, I, I feel like you are supposed to know that you can't just stop thinking about these things when you go through something traumatic and, or, or, or even like making the assumption that you think this person has the ability to do that is preposterous to me. And, and it continues to surprise me. And people continue to bring me things that are like, how do these people still have jobs? Um, but again, that's the, the, 
not necessarily, I don't want to denigrate the structure of the mental health system because there's so many great therapists out there. Um, it's just that there are bad ones. There are, there are ones that do not care for the job, can't do the job or whatever. And those, those people create problems, right? They create people that go to these, uh, situations and become re-traumatized or stigmatized to the mental health system. And so there's no, there's no one there to kind of catch them. You know, the, like people aren't going to go to Google and leave this review because it's about mental health. And it's so, it's so taboo to even talk about it. Why would you then leave a review that reveals part of your story to a public platform? Right. And so it's, it's such a hard thing to then, you know, open up about like this person was a, a harmful being, you know, and, and, or, or said this ridiculous thing. Um, and so there's, there's, there might be a lack of accountability in the mental health system. I don't know, but I do know that people are falling through. And that's why I have any followers that I do is I'm not a licensed health professional. I'm simply a person that coaches through experience. And I try to do so with uh, respect for the fact that I, I am not a mental health professional. Um, but I'm clearly necessary because I'm helping people, right? People come to me and they, they find clarity. They find uh, a place to be heard, a place to be understood. Um, and I think that's so necessary. And I almost think it's more necessary than, than necessarily just having therapy. I think there should be more practical um, coaches out there that are kind of trained in this, but don't necessarily have to be licensed to the level of a, of a therapist or a counselor. Um, because some people will not go there. And, and what do you do about those people? Do you just leave them right as a system? You just allow that to exist of like, okay, if they don't want help, we don't, we're not going to help them. But when we really could be having conversations of saying, okay, we're going to help any coaches that are willing to come to this class and, and we don't need to certify them, but, but at least we give them the knowledge and the tools to help people along the way. You know, I think there needs to be a conversation there um, because this isn't necessarily my goal to maintain this coaching uh, ability, but it, it certainly is necessary to at least somewhat try and help make a dent, you know, help people remind them that there are good people in the world and there are people that are not going to just say, maybe you should just get over it. You know, and I, I just want to provide something that's maybe different in the world, something that I understand is practical for me. That is sad and enlightening. And as I'm listening to your descriptions, it reminds me of something that you said earlier, where you said, I come with the assumption that I don't know anything. And I'm going to listen to understand. And when you have some of these therapists who weren't good, and you describe them, and obviously they came in with I know everything and I don't need to listen to understand. You just need to do what I said. And I think if we can get more to where we listen to understand, um, there's a book you're probably familiar with called The Body Keeps a Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Love it. And he talks about his mentor when he was going through his training to eventually to help people heal from trauma. But his mentor said, 
your best teacher is going to be your patience. Huh. Listen and pay attention. Yep. And, and because he had that to start with and he paid attention and he listened and it broke his heart when there were people that he could not help because he didn't have the answers, it led him to begin searching for the answers, which eventually led to uh, techniques and tools that help countless lives. And a, and a best-selling book that we both have, have looked at as a resource to share with not only you know, fellow coaches, but also, you know, clients. I've shared that book hundreds of times. I feel like I should be a salesman for that book because it's so, it's so profound how he approaches it, that it's, it's just so important for people to, to see. I'm so glad it's a bestseller. Absolutely. So if there are any coaches and therapists out there, we invite you to one, read the book and two, yeah. please listen to understand rather than just assuming that, you know, yeah. So Dylan, thank you so much for being brave enough to share your story because I, I know that as you're sharing your story, there are people who are listening, who are in that state of silence where they still think I have to be quiet to protect myself. I can't tell anyone. And when they hear you, it gives them permission to take the next step. And that is so important. So thank you. Is there anything you want to make sure we cover before we close today? No, I just thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. It's, you know, as ironic as it is, I, I am so grateful for any platform that allows me to share this with, with anybody that needs it. Mm, well, it matters. Thank you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Helen Keller. She said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. If you're dealing with trial and suffering in your life, I want you to know that you're not alone and that there is still hope that you can overcome your hardest battles and achieve your greatest successes. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.